You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. I am super excited to have Nathan Mivilla on the show. Uh, Nathan was one of my favourite players at the Island Games. Defensively and attacking-wise, he was unstoppable. I'll never forgive him, though, for that goal he scored against Halifax. Uh, we chatted about Nathan's uh, Island Games tournament, what it's like working under Tommy, his career so far, um, time playing with Wickham and West Ham Academies. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on our social media accounts to keep in touch with the latest with the show uh, at Down the Pub Pod on Instagram at Down the Pub Pod C1 on the Twitter. So without further ado, here is Nathan Mavilla. So uh, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub Podcast. Uh, we are joined by Calvary FC defender Nathan Mavilla. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. I uh, really appreciate doing this. Uh, it's kind of kind of good to catch up with one of the best players from the Ireland game. So uh, I'm excited to, uh, you, to talk to you. Yeah, man. It's uh, you were fantastic. So um, first okay. question I have for you is: uh, How's the off season for you so far? And uh, how's London? Good, man. Good. Um, I can't complain. Back home with the family, um, familiar ground. So I can't. I can't complain. Um, and if you're going to be locked down, uh, you might as well be locked down with your family, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> so people you can tolerate, right? So. <laughs> yeah, just about. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so do you have anything planned for the off-season to keep yourself busy? Just keeping fit, really. Um, just training, um, doing my own stuff and, you know, possibly just training with um, trainers or probably a team um, just to stay fit, really. So how how do you deal with like such a, a long off season? What was it like six, seven months or something like that before you you, you yeah. the ball again? How did you deal with that? Yeah, how I did last year, just literally, <laughs> um, literally just train. Um, don't overtrain, but you know, get yourself to a, a position where your 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 fitness is at a good state, um, and literally just do everything right. Um, don't go overboard and whatnot. But obviously, once you go back into the club, um, you're gonna you're gonna be doing what you've been doing for the last seven months, five months, anyway. So that's pretty much what it's like. I know they've kind of talked about uh, trying to start pre-season a little bit earlier, just to kind of get you guys back in the swing of things. Uh, w- would you be happy with that, or would you kind of like miss having that extra month with the family? Um, it just depends where everything's at. Um, just depends where I'm at with what I'm doing, or you know, so. It's it's just subjective onto the the player really. So uh, yourself and uh, Mo Farsi both had uh, great tournaments. Um, what's it about Tommy's philosophy and uh, style that kind of brings out the best in his? Um, I thought that this year he allowed us to. It's not like he didn't before, but I think the formation that we we played in sort of gave you coverage. And as a defender, a natural defender, uh, you just want to know that. You, your home is safe, right? And so that's pretty much um, my thinking, how my thinking was last year. Um, you know, I was pretty weary on, you know, going forward to come back and whatnot. But this year, I kind of thought, you know, what's there to lose? Um, I'm in an advanced position and just show what you got. Um, 
And obviously, we didn't have many natural wingers. You know, we had um, Jose Hernandez, we had Nico Pascotti, um, and I think that's it, Arabin Pepple. So it, 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 there wasn't much to choose from after a couple of games. And obviously, with Oli going down, with um, Sergio going down, and with Nico going down, we were, and obviously, Jose going down, we were only left with Arabin. Um, we didn't have any options besides that. And so we were, me and Mo Farsi were the only two um, full-backs, wing-backs, so, so per se. Yeah, uh, just um, speaking of Ali, how's he doing? He's good. He's good. He's making rapid progress. Um, he's one of those guys you just wish well, you know. He's just a good guy, a good laugh, um, someone that's really genuine. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I hope he's doing really well. We speak every now and again. And um, just seeing his progress on his Instagram, he looks like he's doing really well. Yeah, I noticed that myself. And like, obviously, we wish him all the best. Uh, there were some nice touches from you guys. Like after, uh, I think it was when Haber scored, he had the jersey and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Um, yeah. So for like, obviously, Mo kind of came out of nowhere. We're kind of talking to Mason Trafford a little bit about it. You kind of play in a similar position. Um, when you were like training with him and playing with him, did you see that talent that he had? Yeah, I knew, I knew because you can you can tell from a player just the way they are, and he was he was different when you come in. Um, you know, we we had obviously young Malik Hamilton last year, done really well for us, uh, moved on, and so obviously we needed someone to kind of fill in um, and kind of fill in for his shoes. And obviously we have Dean, um, but Malik was a bit different to Dean, and so that's how Mo Farsi was. He was pretty different to Dean. Um, he just he just played in his own style more, and he came, and he just was himself, and I think that's what uh, that's what helped him. You know, Mo was just himself, and his his talent just showed really. And ever since from the first day he came in, he done really well. And then um, we played an in in house game, I think, against a team. Uh, we played against yeah, we played against a team. I think it was the Foothills. We played against them, and he really really stood out. Um, and from then, you, not even from then, but from the first day. Um, and the game was just a confirmation that he was he was a gem. Amazing, uh, and he scored a banger of a goal too against uh, Pacific, so that really boosted his profile a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so how hard was it for all you guys to go like straight into a tournament like that? Because it was pretty full on uh, from the get go, like with no real preseason. You put, like you barely had any games beforehand. I, I know Halifax didn't have like hardly anything. How hard? Mm. Obviously, you probably never experienced that before. How hard was it for you? Tough. Um... But at the same time, I, I think it it wasn't as tough um, because we would we were raring to go. Um, we didn't quite have uh, any off season games. Um, we we played ourselves about four or five times. Um, but I think that was that was the best thing we could have done, um, considering how big Canada is and how hard it would have been to get another team to travel um, over, even without COVID. The, the, the standard of opposition, no disrespect, would have been as good as us playing against ourselves, you know, and, you know, we're fighting with each other for positions. And so what better position to play against the person who wants your spot? Did it get a bit meaty? Yeah, it does. It did. It did. It did. It did. It did. Uh, That's where all the injuries came from, huh? (laughs) Yeah. That's where it started anyway. (laughs) Uh, So, so so you guys, like, you you obviously started the tournament really well and then you had like a little bit of a blip where, Obviously, an unexpected loss to Ottawa. I'm sure you weren't expecting that. And then a loss specific. Like, what, what kind of caused the blip, do you think? Because he's went from, like, being, like, really solid and then to two back-to-back uh, defeats. Um, 
I think personally, obviously, we had a bit of individual errors. Um, we also had um, days where the team was just wasn't, you know, when the team's just not on it. And we, we had like one of those days and then we had one day where we just had a few individual errors. Um, but besides that, I think, you know, we, we did go into it with the right mentality. Um, sometimes you do feel a bit lethargic. It was very hot. Um, but at the same time, everyone had the same conditions. So we can't have any excuses. It, it's just them, them games, you know. Um, uh, there's not much you can actually say on it. Yeah, just one of those days, right? Yeah, just one of those days. So, um, like, uh, do you think the standard in the league has like got a lot uh, better than last year? Uh, yeah, especially this, this, the standard, especially with another team coming in the fold. You've kind of got, you know, one extra. Um, opposition for you to kind of figure out and you know I think I think it was good the the standard increased massively because last year was kind of a feeler um, there were many people that really excelled um, but for a lot of the, the players it was just a feeler because it was a lot of their first years in professional football and after that feeler you know you could see a lot of players um, coming into their stride as I said people like Malik Hamilton um, you know you had Caden Chung who done really well you had um, players like uh, Mo Farsi, um, Arabin Pepo come in, and um, when he come on against, uh, it was at Halifax, and he done really well. You know, you've got a lot of players who um, really stepped up their game and really, you know, done what they needed to do um, off the back of last year. So I feel that this year was uh, definitely much better. That's that's awesome. I, like uh, you can just feel that it's going just going to get better and better as uh, time goes along. It's um, especially like with all this untapped talent in Canada. Were you surprised like how many kids there are here who are that good no uh not really it's just it's just sad because uh, football's not the first sport in in canada i think if it was you'd see much more than we're seeing now um you know uh, it's it's tough you know because it's it's it's, it's a culture thing you know you come to england every corner you turn there's a football pitch uh, you go to canada every corner you turn there's a baseball pitch or hockey or whatever it is you know or basketball and there's not many football pitches, and so it's tough. Um, but I think that if there were more football pitches, it was more accessible, more teams, and you know, it was a bit more like uh, how uh, America, USA is, then for sure you'd get way more talent. Yeah, it, uh, like I mean, obviously uh, Alfonso Davis and Jonathan David are going to raise the profile, and we might see probably the next five, ten years a lot more players coming through. Um, like you started off the second phase of the tournament, then like with a comprehensive win against Pacific. Like you kind of that was probably your best game of the the, the team's best game of the uh, the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think clicked in that game compared to like you just come off like two like a victory against York with a kind of two ropey performances? Like what what do you think like kind of clicked back in 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 the, in the system for you? A weird pattern that I figured out anyway was that um, we were much better in the night games than the day games. But not only that. It was, um, we come off two defeats and we were like, no, nah, we can't lose again, surely. Um, and one trait that we have that not many teams in the league do have is aggressiveness. Um, and once we show that aggressiveness, not many teams can handle it. Um, they get thrown off their game, um, especially with the league being a young young league um, predominantly. Um, some people can't mentally um, deal with pressure upon pressure upon pressure upon pressure. And so they begin to fold and that's where you see the cracks and that's where we kind of step in the score. Um, so th- that that for me was um, our 
blueprint to win in the third game. It was just being aggressive and just, you know, being on the front foot with everything. Yeah, it was a it was a fantastic performance as we mentioned. Like uh, like Mo Farsi scored a, an incredible incredible goal. So obviously then like the you had that blip against Halifax. <laughs> we kind of yeah. we we played well, and then there was the game against Forge. But like you were literally like like bare bones by the end of it. Like um like how disappointed were you um by going out and like the, the kind of fashion where you just didn't have all your best players. Very because this was probably the easiest way to win it. You know, um, one game final, um, we beat Halifax and then we're in the final, we're in that one game final and, you know, I put us against anyone in, a one, in just one game, really. Um, so it, it was it was tough to take, especially off the back of not winning last year. So, um, yeah, it was, it was tough to take for sure. You were kind of... Um... I was kind of joking with you on Instagram there, but uh, about your goal against Halifax. Um, can you walk us through it? I meant it. Even on TV, they were kind of <laughs> even on the TV, they were a little bit kind of skeptical, man. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, they can be skeptical all they want. I saw him off his line. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Look, Jason, the next yeah. time you're playing against uh, Nathan, make sure to stay in your line, pal. Uh, so, all the best, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see, like, obviously, like, you, we'll go into like a little bit of your, your youth career in a little bit, in, in, in a little bit but um, you kind of, you've been around a few clubs and it kind of happens to people in England because there's so, so many players. But you seem genuinely happy playing in Calgary. Like, what is it about the, the, the club and the city that, like really uh, makes you happy um, the people um, I've said this many times but um, I'll never forget my first you know my first time in Calgary I think I come off the plane uh, got in the house didn't have much to eat and so I went out to um, the local co-op and um, I bought some food and whatnot some groceries and um, the lady at the till was like yeah get yourself a, a membership whatever and I was like yeah um, but I don't have a dollar and you needed a dollar in cash, but I only had uh, money on the card. And so she just said, oh, don't worry, I'll pay for it. And I was like, you sure? She's like, yeah, I'll pay for it, don't oh. worry. And she was actually working there. And something so little, you know, went a long way. And, you know, something as small as, you know, when you drive and you want to cross the road, people literally stop for you um, in the middle of the back roads. And in the UK, that don't happen. They'll take <laughs> you in the road. So it's, it's completely different, you know. It's a completely different environment. It's a completely different environment. Um, to the fans, especially, I can never, ever, ever not um, include them because they, from day one, um, you know, they came in numbers and they were always right behind the team, supporting us. Even on our worst days, they're right behind us. Um, and my teammates, you know, um, my teammates were amazing first year, second year, amazing. And there's always people behind the scenes. And so, you know, there were a lot of people that helped us. The guy called Lloyd Webber, owner of Panther, he, he always was was there to, you know, look after us. He brought us a TV, um, some bikes and so many different things just to help us um, feel at home and to feel like, you know, okay. Um, so many people I could mention, but, you know, there's so much good people in Canada that that really, really made me, like, love the country. 
Yeah, it's the same here. Like I remember when I moved to Halifax first, and I was like trying to cross the street, and uh, like it literally like, take five minutes because the car would stop, and I'd be just like, if I step out here, he's gonna run me over. Because that's the way they do it in Dublin <laughs> too, right? So we're just, yeah, yeah, just like yeah. I, I'd edge, and then they were edging, and stuff like that. So then I, I kind of learned that they're not gonna knock me down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember so, a time when um, last year we we I lived with Julian Bouchard, Mauro Stacchio, and um, Oliver Minato. And um, Julian Boucher kept on leaving the door open. And I was like, you've got to shut the front door. And I've locked everything. I've locked, I've locked the garage. I've locked the front door, the back door. And uh, when everyone got home in the evening, I was like, what's going on? Like, how come you guys left the front door? Like, chill out. We're in Canada. Chill out. <laughs> so the next day, we went out and we just left the door open just to test it. And I, and I locked my room just in case. If they get in the house, you can't get my room. But anyway, I locked my room and we all left out. And then we got back in the evening and the door was wide open and no one had entered. And that's when I knew like Canada is one of the safest places. Well, Calgary anyway, one of wow. the safest places I've been in. You know what's going to happen now is that like uh, people are going to listen to this. <laughs> and when you go training <laughs> next year. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be out. <laughs> so, so like uh, as I said, like, we just going to go back to the start a little bit for you. So you grew yeah. up in Brixton and it's kind of synonymous with like riots and all that kind of stuff. And London can be a tough place. Uh, what was it like growing up in, in Brixton? Funnily enough, um, I live, I was, I was around when the riots happened um, recently, a couple of years ago. Um, that's crazy. Actually, people running past my house with tellies. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was mental. Wouldn't see that in Canada, pal. <laughs> nah, 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 not one bit. But um, now we've had some, you know, some ups and downs, it's tough because you really find yourself, um, I thought anyway, growing up, it's not for the weak-hearted or the weak-minded, really. Um, you know, you see so many terrible things, you see a lot of good things, um, and you just see things that you would never see where I come from. Um, but it, it, overall, it's it's been good, and I feel that had I not grown up here, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Um, so... It's it's amazing growing up here, and again, like growing up in a fairly poor neighbourhood, um, all we knew was football. So if you didn't play football, you were in your academics, and if you weren't in your academics, you were doing, you were going down the wrong path. And you only those were the only two or three options you had, um, and I just went down the football route, and here I am. Yeah, it's kind of funny, like like I, I mean, a lot of those kind of neighborhood, like I, I kind of grew up in a kind of poorer part of Dublin too. And it's, it's the community that kind of keeps it together and it's, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they don't always get the help from the government that they need. And it's just yeah. pure people power that kind of brings people together. And I think exactly. people have an, an idea of England as Coronation Street and Cup of Tea and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> far from, <laughs> yeah. far from. Gin and tonics. <laughs> Not tea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, obviously, like you've talked previously about, like seeing one of your your mates being stabbed, like in front of you. Um, like, how yeah. how did that affect? I'm sorry, that, I don't. You don't have to answer. You don't want to, but how did that affect you? And how does how does it kind of change as a person? Um, it, it more, it made me make a decision. Um, because you get to that point and you're like, all right, cool. Do I carry on, or do I now use this as motivation and use this as not sort of an excuse, but as a reason to now pursue my dreams. Um, you know, it, it was at the time I was actually training at Chelsea um, and I was on trial there and, you know, we, we, we played a couple of games and after that event had happened, my, my, my performances started to blip, um, you know, and 
I kind of, I kind of took a step back and just analyzed my life. And from there, I said, look, I have an opportunity to do something. Not many people where I'm from, you know, grew up and do. I started playing football with about 25, 30 people in a team. And literally, I'm the only one that made it. And so I looked at myself and said, am I going to ruin it now? Am I going to really allow this situation to make me go down the wrong path? And with the great support of my family and friends and, you know, people that I know around here, you know, they sort of pushed me in the right way and I pushed myself to, um, you know, it just helps me really. Sounds like you've got a great family, family unit around you. Like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, when that kind of stuff happens, you, it's great to have somebody to fall back and, and help you through. Like uh, how much have, have your parents been um, an influence on your career? And um, do, do you still tap into your, uh, your Congo roots? Yeah, for sure. I think I'd love to play for them. Um, you know, that's 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 one of my, my dreams and aspirations. Um, I've always wanted to play abroad, done that. Um, so for me, it's just now I'm playing for the national team and I feel that I would have achieved my personal goals. Um, but I've got an amazing family. Um, my mum and dad have always been supportive. Mum's just there to clean the kit and feed me. My dad was always there to, you know, drop me, drop me off to games. And, you know, my dad was there every home, every away game, no matter who I played for, where I played, he would always be there. Um, and, you know, he was my biggest critic and my biggest fan. My mum, the same. Um, not so much the football inside, just to tell me to get over it when we lose. But besides that, you know, uh, my brother, he was he's big on football too. Um, one of my biggest critics too. Um, and I've got two sisters who are just literally just win or lose. Oh, well done, kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love that your mom and dad are basically like the chef and the chauffeur. <laughs> uh, uh, I wouldn't put that. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that on here. But I'll say it to I'm just gonna take that little snip and send it to your mom to see how you're going. <laughs> uh, don't worry, mate. I'm ready to intercept. <laughs> So uh, you got picked up by like Wickham Wanderers at a at a young age. Um, what was the academy like there, and uh, how did it help develop your game? Um, very good, actually. Um, funnily enough, when I when I joined them, we I joined I joined at what, twelve, thirteen years old, and um, after that, like being around that environment, I, I didn't think that I could actually get there, and I didn't think I could actually cope with it, and so. Um, finally getting into academies after years and years of like emailing clubs, calling clubs and, you know, getting in touch with friends, seeing who can get me in. Um, after just one game, I literally got signed on the same day. And so after that, um, I just, I was in there and I was young and I was hungry. And um, yeah, so I played up a couple of years, you know, when playing there, uh, um, I made my reserve debut at 14 um, and I was just literally just hungry. And so a lot of clubs were coming in. Um, at the time and um, I remember one of the scouts saying to me um, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or, or a small fish in a big pond and obviously I said oh big fish in a small pond and so I stayed and I carried on developing right up until 16 and then um, got picked up by West Ham um, and yeah that, that was where everything really started. So what <laughs> It's a silly question, but what was the differences? Like, was it like night and day going from Wickham's Academy to uh, to West Ham's? Yeah, <laughs> you know, literally, you know, you got no disrespect to Wickham because they're an amazing club. Um, fun, they they even let me train there um, last off season. Oh wow! Um, so they're yeah, they're an amazing, amazing club. Gareth Ainsworth, 
Richard Dobson, who's the assistant manager. Funnily enough, Gareth Ainsworth, when I played my first um, reserve game at 14, Gareth Ainsworth was playing with me um, with a guy called um, Kevin Betsy. I don't know if you know him, but he now coaches the young England age groups um, and a lot of other players. But um, Richard Dobson was actually one of my um, coaches when I was younger and now he's the assistant manager. So I called him up and he actually let me come and train with him for a couple of months to stay fit. So, um, but yeah, anyway, the, the club would just had one big clubhouse. It wasn't big, medium-ish. Um, you know, a little small canteen, little um, massive gym, um, and, you know, little small classrooms in Port Cabins. And you can tell that it's a really tight-knit club. Um, a really small club in comparison to West Ham. When I, when I went over to West Ham, we had three different training grounds, two bus drivers to pick you up wherever you were. Um, you know, you had a, a clubhouse where... Uh, that 25 players lived in and it was massive um, you know it, it was just a different ball game you know um, the facilities at the club the, the grass was cut clean every single day you know there, there was it was it was perfect literally perfect and so you tell you can tell that you literally went from um, a lower league right to the Premier League Wow, like it, it must have felt like you'd made it you know like when you go from as you said like one pitch um, to like bus drivers and chefs and all that kind of stuff where you're just like overwhelmed by it all um at first to be honest when i was young no the older you get the more you see and the, the more it overwhelms you um me being a young player when i first walked in there at 16 i just thought it's just football <laughs> you right yeah until like one day you know i remember my first week um we played against man city uh, we beat them 2-1 and then the week after that, I got called in to play with the first team and I played against Southend um, in a pre-season friendly. And from there, you kind of see like how things can turn and, you know, you see how much money's in football. You see, um, you know, for example, like media, you see like how much they go through and, you know, it's easy to think you've made it when you're in that surrounding. Um, but there's, there's a lot of work still to be done when you're, when you're there. So um, in the last week, there's uh, I think you might have a, a, a good view on this. So uh, there was talk last week of the, the top six bringing in the big picture kind of thing and trying to force through their own agenda. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how, how are these clubs, these smaller clubs like Wickham, how are they surviving with the money barely trickling down from the top? Because as you said, I mean, you've got a huge gap in like, the way that West Ham can do stuff and the way that Wickham can have. And there's only what, one division between them now, maybe? Um, so, yeah, like, yeah. so so, how are the clubs surviving? No idea, no idea. But, you know, uh, it's tough because you're obviously looking out for the health of the, 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 the whole world, but at the same time, like, people need to eat. This is people's um, bread and butter. This is pe- all people know. Some people, you know, rely on this to, you know, feed their families and pay their bills. And so it's, it's, it's really tough. I, I can't really speak on that um, solely because I, I, I'm not knowledgeable on it. But um, I think that, that the bigger clubs should help the smaller clubs. Um, and it should trickle down. And so the, the, the medium-sized clubs should help the even smaller clubs. And that way, you know, you, you really see that everyone can survive up until, you know, people are back allowed into the stadiums. Um, just my personal opinion. Oh, like big time. And I think that's like part of the thing in England is that like there's like 92 clubs in the in the football league. Like the, each one is, is a community hub and the, uh, those communities all need 
that stadium, whether it's in the kind of a poorer part or a richer part, it's something that brings everybody together. And yeah. if they, they allow it to die, it's going to be part of the, the the country itself that's going to die. So I really hope that they mm-hmm. kind of get their heads together and, and, and help them out because like nobody wants to see like a, a buried again disappear or I know Mansfield yeah. just got rescued and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah. these are all like community hubs. So I really hope that they kind of work something out. So um, sure. with West Ham, like you must have a ton of memories because like, you know, some of the players you have to play with and it must be crazy. But what are some of your, your top memories from your time at West Ham? Um, one of my top memories was probably um, seeing seeing like the quality, so I remember we were actually in Dublin, not Dublin, in Cork, in Ireland, and we were in a doing a camp there, and um, Slavin Bilic come, and you know it was weird because we went there with no manager, um, and we were with the first team, um, and we went there with no manager, and it was weird because we were just training with like the under twenty three manager, I think it was the academy director, um, he was temporarily looking after things and. Slavin Village just comes in one day at dinner and just says, "Yeah, I'm your new manager. You know, um, if you if you need anything, come and knock on my door." And as a young player, just looking at him, thinking, "Is, is this guy being for real? Like, I can knock on his door, kind of thing." And then um, I think a couple of days after, Dimitri Payet walks through the door, and um, you know, he just comes in and and he just literally comes on the training pitch, and we're playing a one-touch game, and it's, it's as if he's taking ten touches. Like the guy is just doing things I've never seen and you're like yeah this is the difference um, you know and prior to that you had players like Ravel Morrison for me probably the most talented player I've ever seen um, you know just doing like it's just crazy the way he just takes the piss and training if I can say that sorry <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he takes the piss and training and then in a game he just replicates it um, you know you just, you just see some amazing stuff you see top top coaches you see um, people like Julian Dix you see I remember um, Teddy Sheringham um, he won the treble with United he comes in through the door and says yeah I'm the new striker coach and he takes his time with young players back then I was playing on the wing and so he often like you know if we were training by with or by the first team he'd often call us over to you know do some sh- shooting or crossing drills with the first team and a player like that who you know he's won the Champions League he's won the Prem he's, he's done everything you can in football you know, taking his time out to actually advise you and, you know, have a laugh with you, you know, and just, you know, it's stuff like that that makes you think like, you know, oh, that that was just amazing. Um, what else? I remember going um, away, obviously, for the Europa League. Um, and that was probably one of my best experiences because, you know, first time you travel on a charter plane and then, you know, you, you get, you arrive and then, you know, you have, um, police cars escorting you everywhere you go, running red lights. It's it's crazy, you know. And you're you're just like, wow, like this is actually happening. And you know, like prior to playing that game, we we'd never really played on like television or stuff like that. And so you kind of see how the cameras are set up around the stadium. You see like how many fans there are. You know, you got like back there in those countries, like it's kind of crazy. Um, so we were in Romania, and you know there was barriers like separating the crowds from the from the players because they'll actually jump on and try and fight you or something. So it's, it's, it's genuinely, genuinely crazy. Um, it was so humid, but it was an amazing experience. Um, I remember I was with Daniel Henry um, out there and Jordan Brown came out. That's where he made his debut. Um, so yeah, it's so, so many, so many, so many memories um, playing with amazing players. Um, yeah, it was, it was just great. 
What was uh what was Jordan like after the game that like the one of remain? He must be in buzzing, was he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's every kid's dream just to make a debut. Um and obviously you just it, it, it feels surreal. You know, it just feels surreal. You can just tell that the person just didn't believe what happened. <laughs> um, whether it's 30 seconds or the whole game, for me, your debut is your debut and you'll never forget it. So it is, it is, I could tell like he, he was very, very, you know, just excited really, man. It's amazing. Uh, so uh, like, so with uh, Ravel Morrison, um, like obviously very young Alex Ferguson was kind of touting about as being like one of the best English players coming through. So like, did, did any of that affect him? Cause obviously like his, his career didn't go on the, the path it should have. Cause I mean, every player, every person you ever talked to who's played with him or trained with him says that he's like the most amazing player they've ever seen. Um, so like, do you think that kind of just played, played on his mind and on his shoulders, like having that much pressure at such a young age? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I do think he's very misunderstood. Um, I do think he's very misunderstood, um, simply being because in football, you, you're often told to kind of have a sheepish mentality, um, just follow and obey kind of thing. Um, it's not that he broke the rules, but he was just himself. Um, I, I can't tell whether, you know, certain things like like comments like that from Sir Alex Ferguson or... Um, you know, just different expectation placed on him had an effect on him. But what, from my perception, um, that I can only say is that I think he's very, very misunderstood. Yeah, I, it was kind of it was just a little bit of a segue into. Uh, I, I read there that you want to kind of get into kind of sports psychology once you're once you're done playing and stuff like that. Like, so what is it that kind of attracts you to that? Um, just personal experiences and my little experience kind of made me think like. If I went through that on a small scale, imagine what someone at the highest end of football is going through. For example, Harry Maguire, you know, someone like that who is going through a terrible time right now. Everyone's worried about his performances, but no one's asking how was his mind. And when you really think about it, every single player is talented. And so, like, I remember a coach once said to, once said to me, and it was actually re- reiterated to me um, with a session I did with someone else. And he said, like, look, your mental toughness and your mental strength and mental capacity is literally 90% of the game. A man that's talented but has no mental strength looks like a bad player. But really and truly, he just needs to strengthen his mind. Um, and so that that really hit home, you know. And many, many coaches would say that um, everyone's talented but not everyone's going to make it. And stuff like that really, really used to go over my head. But the more you get old, older and the more you kind of go through the ranks and you go through so many upsets and so many highs, um, you kind of understand that it's, 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 it's the battle of the, the strongest and the battle isn't won by the weakest people, you know. And, and your mind is really tested not only in bad times, but when expectations are placed upon you, that is, you know, probably one of the hardest to, 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 to cope with because now you're dealing with not being too complacent and just being at your best every single week. I mean, you're not people looking at you like, what's going on with this guy, you know? So I think the mind is very complex, but it's once it's, it's looked after properly and well managed, I think you can reach a maximum. So it's such a fascinating uh, way to, to look at like sports. As you said there, I mean, like Harry Maguire is a prime example of, um, he's, a, he's a young guy and he's got already got that pressure of being like one of the most expensive defenders in the world, if not the most expensive defender in the world. Goes yeah, on holidays yeah. with his mates, something happens which probably happens to young lads <laughs> every year yeah. when they go out with their mates and then suddenly 
everybody's putting pressure on him. I, I honestly, yeah. like, I mean, that's that's a, a tough guy, and I'm, I'm really glad for him. Like, you know, um, we all support different teams, but I mean, like, nobody wants to see somebody going through such a horrible time. And uh, I was so happy mm-hmm. for him. I was made up from that he scored uh, on the weekend. So, yeah. um, just just the last bit of the show, we we, we, we kind of call this like our last orders just before we let you go. It's just a couple of quick uh, cool. fire questions if you're cool with that. Um, no worries, man. So, uh, what's uh, who would be your top three left backs uh, that you've ever seen like play on TV or like live? Who would be your f- uh, best uh, top three left backs? Um, it would have to be number one Ashley Cole. Um, number two, ooh, I'm not sure. You know, I put Patrice Ever up there. Um, uh, my third. I'm not sure, you know. Oh, what am I? What am I going on about? I'd I'd put Marcelo my number two, um, and my number three I'd put um, Patrice Evra. Solid choices, man. Solid choices. Um, what 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 team do you actually support? Man United. Oh, for the love of Christ! Uh, moving, <laughs> moving swiftly on. <laughs> um, what's um? So if you're going to play in a five-a-side tournament, from the players that you've played with yourself, uh, who would be on your team? You don't have to have a goalkeeper if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, to be honest, with this team, I, I deserve to be in goal. Um, <laughs> um, you know, my best players, um, I'll put at centre-back, a guy called Leo Chambers. Um, he, massive, massive, amazing player. Um, injury killed him, but which didn't allow his career to progress. But for me, like, one of the best and a half I've ever seen played with. Um, you know, he was one that could, he was, he was about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Not the biggest for a centre-back, if that, 5'9". Um, you know, could jump strong, fast, could run out with the ball, like literally dribble a couple of players. Um, Captain England um, at, at youth levels. You know, was an amazing, amazing player, but injuries just literally um, got the best of him. But for me, I'd put him in there. Um, I'd put Dimitri Pai in there. Um, I'd put Ravel Morrison in there. I'd put Alice, Alex Song in there. And then I'll put, as a striker, oof, it's a tough one. As a striker. I'm not sure, you know. I'm not sure. What about, uh, what, about, what about poor Jordan? Stick him in there. <laughs> Give him a chance. Go on, I'll put him in. Go on, I'll put him in. I'll put him in. Give him a run out. Yeah. He, can, he can slip you like a tenner for, for doing goal. that. He turns in goal. <laughs> so uh, what's, uh, what, what, what's, the, uh, what's your favourite restaurant in Calgary? Um, I really liked Cactus or the Keg. The keg was really nice. Nice. Uh, so I, I know you played for uh, for Wilston. Did you ever meet the the warrior? Yeah, I've actually got a picture, but I can't find it. Yeah, he was an amazing guy. He was an amazing, amazing guy. Uh, um, you know, it was just one of those mad moments that you saw it on camera. But he's literally like that. That's the funniest thing. He's actually <laughs> literally like that. Um, but he has Wilston's best interest at heart. He was at every single game, if not. He obviously supports Watford too, so often he was at the Watford games. But um, when he was at our games, you know, he was 
amazing guy amazing guy literally an amazing guy it's the most hilarious thing I think I've ever seen in my life <laughs> Yo, you want some literally I couldn't believe it because I was thinking that guy really <laughs> And then the week after, you just see him. It was amazing. It was amazing. Honestly. Oh man! And uh, just a, the last question, so I can let you get back to your your, your life there. Uh, what? Um, who was the toughest opponent you've ever faced? The toughest. Um, for me, till this day, a guy called Duncan Watmore. He plays for Sunderland. Right winger. I think he's he been in the documentary, fast. hasn't he? Oh, he was fast as hell. Like. I've never met a white guy that fast. <laughs> Honestly, he was rapid. Like, I couldn't... It's one of those things where they just kicked the ball in behind. It was like the the the, the C parted. And it's just him, him on his own. Literally, he's so fast. I couldn't keep up. And I'm, I'm, I'm fairly quick, but he was... I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And yeah, he, he gave me the toughest game of my life. That's amazing. So, um, yeah. yeah, I really appreciate you uh, you, you coming on the, the show, man. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, just the, the, the last thing, if you just want to tell people, I know you're fairly active on social media, where people can find you, um, and if you have anything on the go. Yeah, so um, I've got my Instagram, Nate Mav, N-A-T-E-M-A-V. That's my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, my Facebook page, in which I'm pretty active on too, is uh, Nathan Space Mavilla. Um, I've got a personal one and a page, a page one. So follow me on my page or my, my personal ones for family. Um, but yeah, the, the, the page one is definitely where I can I speak to and interact with everyone. Um, so yeah, amazing. Thank you for having me too. Yeah, man, no worries at all. And if you can just do me one favor before you go, just if you can just say, hey, I'm Nathan Mavilla and you're listening to the Down the Pub podcast. Hey, I'm Nathan Mavilla and you're listening to Down the Pub podcast. You're a legend, man. I really appreciate it. Take care, man. Anytime, man. And Stay in touch. Hopefully we see you in uh, Canada next year again. That's the plan, man. Take care, bud. Cheers. You too. Cheers, Thanks. bud. Thanks to Nathan for hanging out and for being an open book. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do this one. A lot of great insights from Nathan. I really appreciate him uh, taking the time to have a chat. Uh, as I'm sure you've uh, heard of the tragic loss of young man city trainee, Jeremy Whiston this week. Um, from this show, we've learned football can be a very harsh game and a lot of this stuff doesn't always get brought to the, the forefront. So please, if you're really, if you're feeling bad, reach out. You know, we'll all, we're always here to have a chat. Um, you can definitely just send us a message and we can chat football or whatever it is you want to chat to. You. The, uh, the number for the suicide prevention hotline here in Canada is one 833 Four five six four five six six. That's one eight three three four five six four five six six. Or you can text four five six four five, and help is at hand. Um, I want to say congratulations to my favourite Irish team, Shamrock Rovers, on their eighteenth league championship. Very well deserved, lads. Uh, get in there. Um, I want to say thanks to our listeners for all your support. It really does mean a lot. Don't forget to head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss any of our episodes. Our next episode is with Everton legend Kevin Ratcliffe, which is a complete and utter doozy. I can't wait for people to hear it. I had a lot of fun doing that one. Um, So until then, stay safe, wash your hands, and until next time, cheers! You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. 
Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.